Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. Metro Nicole. And today the show, we're talking about should I stay engaged with the New Zealand housing market? We're going to talk about the pros and we're going to talk about the cons. And this actually comes from, God, he might as well be the third host of the show. We talk about him so much. <laughs> He'd be a bit too expensive for us to have him on the show. Oh, I think so. Tony Alexander, because over the last two weeks in his Tony's View publication, he published 13 reasons to disengage from the housing market and just sit on your hands. He also published another 20 reasons why you might like to stay engaged. And the reason I like this is it gives you the pros and the cons of whether you should still be looking for properties, whether you should still be keeping your ear to the ground. So what do we're going to do... Do you economists at your annual economist convention come up with pros and cons for everything? Because that seems to be a theme of you and Tony. Oh, well, it's because then you get to look at both points of view. So I'm you, not interested in anyone, <laughs> else, anyone else's point well, of view. Well, in this instance, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the cons first. Yep. Our top four reasons why you should just sit on your hands. And then we're going to talk about our top four pros. And that means you can kind of see both sides, figure out where you sit. Andrew, take it away with con number one. Okay, con number one, there are more people leaving the country for the long term than are arriving for the long term. So that means we've got negative net migration, which we haven't seen in so long. Do you know how long? Not since 2013. There was a brief period between 2011 and 2013 when it went negative, and it's just gone negative from the end of last year. And Tony Alexander's been talking about this happening for quite a few years now, I think, from memory. And then, of course, we had COVID lockdowns and stopped anyone leaving, so it put a pause on any potential negative net migration. But anyway, here we are. So in the last 12 months to March 2022, there were 7,000 more people who left than who moved here permanently. Now, just remember that net migration absolutely moves in a cycle and we'll likely see this rebound at some point in the future. But I guess the argument is why would you buy now when the population is declining because people are leaving? And that means reduced demand for property at the margin. So oh, I can understand that. Reason number two to disengage from the market is of course the one that you all know, interest rates are rising. Now not only does it mean that an investment will cost you more if you buy today than it would have say 24 months ago, but interest rates will also cause some pain for borrowers. So think about it this way. Our projection is that interest rates, the one-year rate, will go up to about 5.75% before coming down. But maybe that will cause some homeowners and investors to be forced to sell once that happens. You might think, well, okay, if those higher interest rates are going to cause some pain, it's going to cause people to sell, maybe I, as a contrarian investor, should into the market at that point when interest rates are at their peak. So I'm able to negotiate a really good deal, step in, get a bit of a bargain. So maybe that's a reason to wait until interest rates have peaked. Call number three. Well, I can't get a mortgage anyway. Look, there are increasing articles about people not being able to get finance and getting declined from the banks, even if they've got good assets and good incomes. You know, the triple CFA scrutiny that people's expenses have come under has really put a lot of people back. And even though there's been that kind of unwinding of that now, it comes at the same time as we've got higher test rates for servicing. So why would I apply for lending and try and get a mortgage if I'm just going to get told no anyway? And I suppose that's more of an emotional one than the other two, which yes. I suppose are, are more rational hey, look, maybe I should wait for a bit to try and get a bargain with this one as well. Maybe I should just give up. And look, the fourth one that I really want to talk to you about is, look, 
I'm just going to wait for it to get really bad. And then that is the point where I'm going to step in, buy some bargains. And I think one thing that can be quite tempting is to look at modelling from the Reserve Bank or any of the main commercial banks where the economists come out and say, hey, we predict house prices are going to fall another 5%. Hey, we think house prices are going to decline another 3%, whatever it happens to be. And say, do you know what? I'm just going to wait for the market to drop, I'm going to buy at the trough, and then that is the point where I'm going to take off. So you can see, again, a contrarian investor who's trying to be sophisticated could make the argument that, hey, I'm just going to sit back and wait a bit. Now let's step across and talk about the pros, reasons to still engage with the housing market. All right, pro number one, special residency visas. So just because net migration is negative 7,000 doesn't mean that there are fewer home buyers. So the government's allowed migrants on temporary work visas to apply for a residency permit. And it looks like the numbers here are going to exceed 200,000. So while we might have lost 7,000 people who potentially are homeowners or home renters, well, we've got another 200,000 that may be in a position to buy a house. And Andrew, just walk us through, why does that matter? Why does this visa thing actually have any impact? So if you live in New Zealand and you're on a temporary work visa, you cannot buy a house here. You have to be a resident. So the 200,000 who weren't legally allowed to buy a house before now have the opportunity to do that. And although not everyone's going to go and buy a house, some of them will. And once house prices start to go up again in a few years' time, I guarantee you there'll be a lot of newspaper articles saying this is to blame. And I think you've got to put those two things in context. Negative net migration of 7,000, yep, totally, but an extra 200,000 people who could potentially join the market where they weren't able to before. Now, the next one is that I just think there's a real lack of investment alternatives. So if we look at bank deposit rates, yep, they're up, you know, sitting somewhere between 3, 3.2% for the one year rate, depending on which of the large banks you look at, but they're not up hugely. And I think the reason behind that is that banks are already sitting on large stacks of cash. They've got money they can lend out. So it's not like they really need to crank up the term deposit rates in order to be able to attract more capital. And let's put that into context as well. We've got a CPI inflation at sitting at about 6.9% at the moment, if we look at the Reserve Bank's last piece of data. And, you know, that just means that that 3.2%, that 3% one-year term deposit rate is just so negative in real terms, negative by over 3%. The other thing, and this has happened more recently, is that shares are way down. You know, we've really seen them take a pummeling over the last couple of weeks. I saw that that S&P 500 down about 12% from the June high through to the day of recording today. NZX 50 down about 7.25%. And so we've got shares coming down. We've got term deposit rates, which are still heavily negative. And I think that this is one of the reasons that when I look at Tony's other survey, his spending plan survey, fewer and fewer people are planning to buy shares compared to what they were in December. So there was about a net 17, 18% of people who were planning to spend more on shares back in December last year. Today, that's down to a net kind of less than 2%. So still more people saying they're going to invest in shares in the next three months than not, but the momentum has severely declined. And so the question is always, look, if you've got a retirement gap, if you're trying to prepare for your financial future, you've got to invest in something. If it's not term deposits and it's not shares and heaven forbid it's not crypto right at the moment, (laughs) what is that alternative? And I think that's where property acts as a bit of a, a hedge against inflation in that case. And I suppose that has two main effects on the property market. Number one is if 
there aren't a lot of alternatives for investors to use that money, they're probably not going to sell their properties. So we've got this story that occurs around, especially in the media, that there's going to be a whole heap of investors selling up and they're going to use that money somewhere else. Well, if you don't have alternatives, good, solid alternatives to put that money in, are you really going to sell or are you just going to leave it? And I think that's why we're not going to see a lot of investors exit the market or not as many as otherwise would be the case. And then I suppose for you personally as well, this is the second point. If it's not property, what's the alternative going to be? Well, some of those alternatives are looking pretty shaky, even more potentially than the property market. What's number three? Number three is not all buyers are exiting the market. So 40% of real estate agents right now say that they've got a lot of investors looking to find a bargain, and this is trending upwards. And also in the core logic data, we're seeing that way more investors are buying with cash, so not getting a mortgage at all. So these are probably people who have been in the game for a while. They're a lot more sophisticated because, let's face it, they've got enough cash to buy a property outright as an investment. And the number's gone from 10% to 14% of all purchases with cash in only a few months. I think that's really the key. We're seeing, you know, mortgaged investors are are staying pretty stable. But what surprised me is just simply that jump in investors buying with cash. Now, that could be, like we talked about on a previous case study Sunday, that you're actually borrowing the money against some of your other properties, but that you're not putting a mortgage against the new investment property that you're purchasing. Now, these to me tend to be more sophisticated investors, people who have a bit of equity behind them. So when I put two and two together, hey, yep, real estate agents are saying more investors are out there trying to look for bargains. On top of that, we're seeing those mortgage-free investors or investors who are buying with cash, they have really increased their amount that they're buying at the moment. So that's where some of the demand for property, yep, might have come back for first-home buyers and some investors has been made up by some of those more sophisticated investors. And look, number four, and this, this wasn't in Tony's view necessarily, but I think it's an important one, is the trough will come and go sooner than you think. And there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to the very bottom of the market and that's where I'm going to pounce. But I saw something in Tony's view. He said, quote, good luck picking that. I can't. And I think that's the key thing. You know, none of us can pick the exact moment where we're going to pounce. So I think most people, especially people listening to the show, would be aware, hey, it's actually a decent market to be able to buy property. Why is this? Because there's lots of options on the market. Prices are coming back. Now, if you're trying to figure out what's the precise, the exact point where I'm going to take action, hey, you're probably going to miss it. I'll give you an example. Let's put some numbers around this. The forecasts from... Banks, independent economists, Reserve Bank, look, expect prices to fall 10 to 15% from the November peak. Now, we are already about 7 7.5%, 7.7% down from that peak. So if we're talking about a duty downwards of 10 to 15%, and we're already over 7.5% down, we're over half the journey to the very, very lowest potential point that's coming out in some of these forecasts. And so we're heading towards what I like to call the trough territory. Now, what I mean by that is that because we can't pick the exact point, we've just got to feel like, are we in a period where prices are more or less at their lowest, given that nobody can pick the exact point? And I specifically think in the new build market, because new builds are more responsive to price changes, we certainly are there. For existing properties, it's going to take maybe another two months of similar price falls where we're heavily within that trough territory where we're within the range of potential house price falls. So I think, A, 
we can't pick exactly where it is. B, if you want to take that opportunity, then you've got to remain engaged with the housing market. Keep your eyes peeled because within a month, two months in the existing market, there's going to be deals out there. In the new build market, hey, they're already there. And let me ask you this, Andrew, of the eight reasons we've given today, which do you think is most convincing either way, whether a pro or a con? Oh, which look, one's sticking out uh, to you? Uh, the special residency visas is probably the one for me. I just think that the reality is <laughs> we can look at the 7,000 people that have left and think yeah, that's a big number, but it's, re- it's really a drop in the ocean. But then you counter that with 200,000 potential buyers plus the fact that we haven't even opened up our borders yet properly. I think that we're going to see New Zealand as being a very desirable place to live in the not too distant future. I think specifically on that as well is you never know how much coin these people have brought with them. You know, there could be a chance that they sold up their house in South Africa, they've come over here with a few bob in their pocket, they've invested it in perhaps a fund while they're waiting to get their visas. Now they've been approved, they're in the position where they're able to go ahead. And again, it's not that they're all going to buy today. I don't expect them to start pushing up house prices today, but I think it can soften some of the drops you might otherwise see because you're seeing new buyers come into the market. I think you're absolutely right. This will be one of the things that people point to in three years and say, oh, that was the thing that made the housing market recover. What was it? We did did a podcast one time on, it was something along those lines of uh, people always point to this and say, but this is different this time. Yeah, remember I, that one? Oh, I remember. I, oh, there's we, so we, much. Like the overseas buyers was a big one we were talking oh, yeah. about in that one. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to expand your property portfolio and put an investment plan together, you might like to come see us for a portfolio planning session. Tell you what, easy way to sign up for this. Send us a text. Our number is 5522. Text us the word plan and we'll give you a buzz. See if it's the right fit. Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.